Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. Today's sermon for Sunday, December 13th, 2020, continues in the season of Advent with this sermon for the third Sunday in Advent, Those Who Dream So Joy. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministry at the Congregational Church of Needham, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our scripture reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. To set the scene just a bit, just prior to this, a few months prior, The angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary, who is not yet married to her betrothed, Joseph, and has shared with her the news that she will bear a child. And not just any child, a sign of new life always, but a sign of new life for the entire world. And his name will be Jesus, which means God saves. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted her kinswoman, Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul proclaims your greatness, O God, and my spirit rejoices in you, my Savior. For you have looked with favor upon your lowly servant. And from this day forward, all generations will call me blessed. For you, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. Your mercy reaches from age to age for those who revere you. You have shown strength with your arm. You have scattered the proud in their conceit. You have deposed the mighty from their thrones and raised the lowly to high places. You have filled the hungry with good things, while you have sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of Israel, your servant, mindful of your mercy, the promise you made to our ancestors, to Sarah and Abraham and their descendants forever. Friends, God is still speaking to the world. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. Beloved, I generally feel a twinge of unease preaching about Mary, the mother of our Lord, 
particularly on this Gaudete or Rejoice Sunday in Advent, which centers her voice, centers her complicated prophetic joy at participating in the working out of God's promised justice in the world. Not that any of these Bible stories are mine, first or even second hand, but it feels particularly egregious for me as a man to attempt to interpret a woman's experience of pregnancy, and particularly this woman and this pregnancy. But this year, this Sunday, in light of a not-so-exceptionally, but rather exceptionally overtly misogynist opinion piece that appeared in the Wall Street Journal, in which a man attempts to tell an extremely accomplished woman that for the sake of decorum, she ought not to use the academic title to which she has earned every right, calling her almost comic and even kiddo in the process. I just can't even. And I won't. Instead, with extreme gratitude for her own accomplishments, public and personal, for her scholarship, insight, and wisdom, her great good humor, and her pointed prophetic ministry, I offer you not my words, but these words from this ordained minister of word and sacrament in our United Church of Christ denominational family, retired professor and administrator at Andover Newton Theological School, and former and still first and only woman and also lesbian, senior pastor of the historic First Church in Cambridge, Congregational UCC, in their 384 years the Reverend Dr. Mary Ludy. Reverend Dr. Ludy wrote this reflection on the Blessed Virgin Mary's imagination as expressed here in the Magnificat, the great song of Mary that forms our reading today from the Gospel according to Luke. She wrote this back in 2012. And not only do I find it still meaningful today, but even more so in the context of 2020. I am thankful for the faithful willingness of both Marys to name aloud the reality of suffering that so many experience in this present moment, a suffering which is not really so very unprecedented, no matter how often we use that word, except to those of us whose privilege has perhaps shielded us up till now. And still, Still, they express a confident and even joyful hope that God's purposes of justice and peace and compassion will be worked out. In fact, that they already are being worked out, even if it's in ways that require imagination to believe. And so, beloved, I invite you to sit with me at Mary's feet and listen and learn. She says, When I was growing up, the nuns who taught me religion made much of Mary's faith. Her greatness, they said, lay in her obedient disposition to believe the angel's message and accept unquestioningly 
the mysterious assignment to be the virgin mother of the Lord. She may have wondered aloud to the angel how such a miracle was to happen, but she never doubted that it could. Mary's faith was what we, what we used to call blind faith before we became more sensitive to the fact that blindness does not mean you cannot see. In the religious world of my childhood, blind faith was the best faith you could have. We knew none of us had it or would ever have it, at least not in the measure of Mary. But we were brought up nonetheless to be fundamentally biased towards belief. No matter how much I now cherish the practice of doubt and question, I am still persuaded that there is a lot to be said for a second nature reflex of faith, an instinctive willingness to give God the benefit of the doubt. I give my ancestors in the faith the benefit of the doubt, too, which is why I still love the ancient creeds and keep them as the bedrock of my faith. After all, just because people lived in the past doesn't mean they were naive or stupid. This benefit of the doubt is not blind faith, but it's my way of saying yes to things that lurk in a blur at the corner of the heart's eye, waiting to clarify in time. That said, however, I no longer admire Mary's blind faith. I admire her perceptive faith, her capacity to perceive clearly a promised, but for most of us, still blurry world of divine justice and righteousness. And I admire her ability to inhabit that world now, to act and speak according to promised new conditions that have yet fully to appear. I admire Mary for her religious and moral imagination. This wondrous imagination of hers is not the fantasy of a utopian dreamer, an escapist, or a Pollyanna. She is, the gospel tells us, lowly, and the Greek original clarifies the meaning, not humble so much as poor, dirt poor. Mary does her imagining the way dirt dirt poor people always do amid 10,000 losses, as Patty Van Ness puts it. Or as Kate Laser writes, amid the hard griefs of this world, it's bitterness and need. Mary imagines and inhabits God's new world while embedded in the mystery of human privation, her own and her people's. Perhaps that's the only place where such imagination is even possible. Like her singing sisters before her, Hannah, Judith, Deborah, Miriam. Mary intones a song whose verses leave no room for doubt. This hard world is real and it is miserable and it is not all there is to say or see. Let me say that again. This hard world is real and it is miserable, 
and it is not all there is to see and say. Its suffering and injustice are horrific, and they are decidedly not the will of the God of swirling joys. And so Mary's imagination sings about tyrants dethroned, poor bellies full, mercy extended to the umpteenth generation. But note how she sings of these things with thanks and praise. It is as if God had already done all the rearranging that the world so desperately requires. That's a holy and a true imagination. It's a fierce and dangerous set of verses, this Magnificat. I'm told that an Anglican bishop once prohibited missionaries from reading it in the presence of the local chiefs, knowing that its implications would not be lost on them. It would be news all too welcome among them, and the church couldn't stand to lose what it stands to lose. You'd be taking your life in your hands to use Mary's song as the opening prayer of a board meeting of most Fortune 500 companies, too or in a meeting of the president's cabinet. The gift of a new world and the sway of its just ruler is not receivable everywhere. It is not even seeable in some places. It takes a lot of imagination. But Mary is undaunted. She is pregnant with imagination and pregnant with child, and like most pregnant women, she believes that a new world is being knit together right in her own womb, and that her own child will be the one who makes all the difference. You don't have to be a woman, much less a pregnant one, to imagine what Mary imagines. But you can't imagine anything at all, anything true that is, if you can't see beyond your own privilege to confess that things in the world are not the way God intends. You can't imagine anything true at all if you can't contain your getting and spending so that you can receive the vision of the day of the Lord with an uncluttered heart. You can't imagine the new thing God has in store if you don't regularly feed your soul with the unspeakable mystery and ineffable beauty of the world and all its creatures, putting yourself regularly in the company of real suffering people and real amazing joy. You can't imagine a new way of life if you try to go it alone without the generations of the faithful alongside you, without a community with whom you faithfully practice imagining, a community within which are told and retold a thousand thousand times the stories of God's dream, a dream, as Will Willimon writes, larger than the desperation of any of our particular moments. And if you cannot imagine, you cannot hope. And if you cannot hope, you are left to your fear. 
And if there is only fear, you know where that leaves you, where it leaves all of us, and where it has always left the world. So this Advent, wait and watch, ponder and pray, light candles and do whatever you do, but more than anything else, dare to imagine. Imagine a poor woman named Mary singing. Imagine a baby leaping in a cousin's barren womb. Imagine an infant surprise wailing in a manger under shooting stars. And see that old fox Herod jittery and wobbling on his lofty throne. Friends, if you, like I, have heard the word of God preached here today, let's give thanks for the ministry of Reverend Dr. Ludi and the imagination of all the faithful women before her and before us, and give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.